couple of weeks ago, I was part of a panel discussion at the Inbound Conference in Boston. Our topic was authentic and inclusive brands, and my fellow panelists were Natasha Pierre of Shine with Natasha and the Shine Online podcast, and Sundas Khalid, a data scientist at Google and host of a popular YouTube channel on data science, tech, and related career topics. Conferences are great and all, but everyone can't always attend for a variety of reasons. So I'm excited that there's a way to bring a piece of the conference to you wherever you are. So after this short break, you'll hear our panel discussion, which was recorded live at Inbound. How to be an authentically inclusive brand is one of the most common questions I get. We covered the topic from several different angles, so I hope you enjoy. Okay, I've got another podcast recommendation for you. It's Latinx in Power, hosted by Thaisa Fernandez. It's brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. This podcast features interviews with top-level executives, entrepreneurs, and innovators from Latin America, aiming to demystify the tech industry by providing listeners with insider perspectives and insight from Latin American leaders who have succeeded in their fields. I like listening to this podcast because I like hearing from a broad diversity of voices and hearing from and learning from their experiences. One episode I'm super excited to dive into is the latest one, Lead Generation Journey with Glenville Dixon Jr. Listen to Latinx Empower wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, hello, welcome. That's a little bit of a vibe, right? How are you feeling on day two? Feeling good? Woo, okay. So welcome to the authentic and inclusive brands conversation. This is gonna be casual. We want it to be inspirational, but also actionable for you. And we're gonna kind of kick it off with some introductions. So Sonia, take us away. Hi, I'm Sonia Thompson, host of the Inclusion and Marketing Podcast. I am also the founder of Thompson Media Group, where I help brands grow by helping more people feel like they belong. Hi, everyone. I am Sundas Khalid. I, my full-time job, I work at Google as a principal analytical lead. And my side hustle is I am a content creator and a YouTuber, and I'm also part of the HubSpot YouTube network. And I'm really excited to be here. And I'm Natasha of Shine with Natasha. I'm a video marketing coach, and I also host the Shine Online podcast. So we have a good mix of industries and backgrounds. And so we're going to be sharing our perspectives and just diving right on into the conversation of just like what makes an authentic and inclusive brand. Sonia, what do you think? All right. So I like to always separate the two and then come back and put them together. So I'm going to tell you a little story first. My husband is from Argentina. And as you all might know, Argentina won the World Cup um, late last year. Uh, So my husband, his family was very excited. So right after that, my husband's family came to visit us in Florida and they brought my husband, myself, and our daughter, three Argentina World Cup shirts. Now these shirts were fakes, right? Like they were cool, we took pictures, we were super excited about them. Um, but my husband never wore that shirt outside of the house because it wasn't a real, a real shirt of um, the World Cup for Argentina. So when we got to Father's Day, I knew he wanted one. So I went on the Adidas website. I ordered the shirt. I paid all the money for it because it's not cheap. Um, but whenever he got it, it had the embroidery of the three stars showcasing that um, those are all the the World Cups that Argentina's won. It had Messi's name on the back. He loved it. He's worn that shirt so many times um, outside since then. Why? Because it was an authentic shirt. It was true to um, form. We were able to see the craftsmanship in it. Authenticity makes a difference, especially whenever you're looking at it close up. Now, when it comes to an inclusive brand, An inclusive brand is one that has intentionally chosen to acknowledge the many ways in which the people that they serve are different. And then they go, take it a step further to incorporate those differences into their marketing, into their overall culture and the way they show up, acknowledging and making sure that the people that they serve feel like they belong with them. Now, one caveat, uh, being inclusive, actually two caveats, Being an inclusive brand isn't just about the marketing. It's about everything that you do from top to bottom. 
the inside matters just as much as the outside. So we want to make sure that your team is inclusive, you have an inclusive culture, and the way you show up for the people that you serve is also inclusive. And the other caveat I want to make sure that I let people know is that when it comes to being inclusive, that does not mean that you have to be serving everyone or including everyone. That is something that gets a lot of people hung up and makes them pause a little bit before taking time to really focus on being an inclusive brand because they think that they have to incorporate all the different dimensions of diversity. So it's more so about choosing which of the elements that you're going to serve, whether that's race, gender, sexual orientation, body size, age, um, degree of ableness, dietary restrictions. There's so many dimensions of diversity. So it's more about figuring which are the ones that you're going to focus on and then pulling them through. So if you put authenticity and inclusive brand together, it's really those brands that have taken the time and have been proactive about the craftsmanship of making sure that they are infusing inclusion into everything they do in a way that makes people feel like this is the real deal. This isn't something that they just kind of slapped on at the last minute and put out into the world, hoping that they would pass it off as something that's real. Nobody wants a fake, right? Nobody wants a fake if they can have the real thing. And people who are used to being excluded, they want the real thing. And I think what a really important note to that is, is that it doesn't have to be done perfectly for it to be impactful. Like, there's no way we'll be able to get it right all of the time. But just the intention of I'm going to do my best and make this like a deep part of what we're doing, I think makes a really big difference. And I'd love to just share some of our personal experiences as well to kind of give some like in real life context, whether it's been directly for us in the workplace or as creators, um, or even what we've seen other brands doing. And as we're kind of sharing our stories, I want you to kind of think about it, right? We're not calling people out. This is not a tea fest, but I think it's really important to kind of just think about, wow, this is when someone really got this right. And then this is also when maybe they kind of miss the mark and see where those common threads are. So Sundas, do you want to kind of share your experiences there? Yeah, I'm happy to share. Um, So uh, a little bit about me is that I'm a first-generation immigrant. I'm a first female in my family to graduate from a university program. Uh, I'm a brown woman. Uh, I'm Muslim. So there are so many dimensions to me. I'm a multi- that when we talk about diversity, we're not talking about just like one side or you're just not, it's just not your color, it's everything inclusive. So that's me, like I'm multidimensional. And when I'm talking about the workplace settings, um, oftentimes we see like on career websites, um, you'll see like there's a very diverse set of representation when you're going and applying to jobs on those websites. Um, And what ended up happening is that when I started my career, I ended up in a team where I was the only woman. And I was the only woman in that team and the only brown woman on my entire floor. That made me feel like that, do I even belong here? Like, did I just get lucky? Am I a fraud? Am I a fake? Like, how did I end up here where I don't see anybody like me? And when you're starting your career, it's very important for you to see successful role models who look like you, because that's only when you know that if they, that person did it, they look like you, they come from a similar background, similar struggles. If they did it, then you can too. But if you don't see that, that's very discouraging. And there is a term for it, it's called imposter syndrome. So the environment that I was in, it basically made me experience a lot of imposter syndrome. How many of you have heard imposter syndrome before? Yeah, a lot of people. Um, so my point here, I ended up like not within my company, but I ended up going outside of my workplace to find people who look like me. I eventually found my group and basically seeing them made me realize like, okay, this person did it. That means I can do it too. And I wish that part was offered to my workplace. It was more inclusive, more representative, like its career website. There needs to be a tie. If your career website or you're presenting to be a certain certain diverse workforce, then it should look like your day-to-day as well. Um, So I guess like that goes into like authenticity and how authentic you are. I know you're trying, but like, are you really trying or you're just like slapping it on the side just for the sake of it? 
Yeah, and I think you hit on the point of like it starts with the culture of the company because you can create like the Black History Month marketing campaign and all of that, but internally, how are your employees and the company actually operating? And I know from my perspective as a creator, I'm constantly telling businesses to create video content, be in video. And while I feel like 20% of what we cover is strategy, right? When to post, how to post, editing, all the things that we know about video. But what I often find is the deeper thread is people feeling like I maybe don't see people like me in my niche, in my industry, when it comes to the content I'm wanting to create. I feel like an outlier, maybe when I'm seeing what's trending and, and, and what people are following and being able to be confident enough and okay enough of like, if I don't show up in the way that I'm not seeing, who's going to? But it takes a lot of depth to kind of tap into that of realizing that this feeling on why being in your video content is really, really hard probably stems a lot deeper than just trying to get the perfect trending audio for the real. It often is just showing up authentically, which means sometimes just being our truest self in all of our identities. All right, so I'm gonna give you an example of one brand that wasn't so um, authentically inclusive and another one that made me absolutely feel seen. So the first one, I follow a gluten-free diet for health reasons and me and my husband, well, my husband really likes to go out for hamburgers a lot. So we went to this restaurant and on the menu, they had a note that said that the fries were gluten-free. And so I was very excited because I always love to be able to get um, fries with my burger. And then something made me ask, hey, are these fries fried in a separate fryer? And the woman said, uh, no, at this location, they are not. And I'm like, well, that's not gluten-free. That means there's cross-contamination, all this other kind of stuff. She's like, yeah, that menu is from corporate, but that's not how we do things here. So there was an immediate visceral negative reaction. I'm like, that's not safe, blah, 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 blah. And ultimately, what was happening is this company was trying to showcase that they're inclusive without a full understanding of what that means, without understanding of all the processes that they need to take, the care that they need to take to be able to deliver on that inclusivity that they are promoting in that particular instance. So that was one that kind of thought that they were trying to do it, but did not live up to or measure up to what it really meant to be authentic and inclusive in that way. Uh, on the other end of the spectrum, which was a Super Bowl commercial that I saw a couple of years ago from Amazon Alexa. And it was a commercial that had Michael B. Jordan in it. I love Michael B. Jordan, but that's not why I like that commercial. It was because the lead character in that commercial was a black woman who had dark skin and natural hair. And that is something that I feel like you rarely see whenever you're looking at campaigns. It's generally um, someone who's got straight hair, or someone who, if, if it's a black woman, if she's a lighter skinned black woman, and just looking at her with um, her fro and just the way they styled her hair throughout the commercial, and she had this chocolate skin. I, I just felt so seen. And she was completely representative of the people who I have in my circle, my friends, um, my niece, who's dark skinned as well. I just loved it on so many levels. And even though they didn't say one thing about what she looked like um, throughout the commercial, it was authentic to me because it showed that they had the insight that we needed to see more people who looked like that in commercials and it didn't have any negative impact on other people. I don't think that anybody who wasn't a dark-skinned woman with black hair saw that commercial, uh, with, with natural hair, saw that commercial and felt excluded by it. But it very much spoke to people who are part of that community who don't see themselves reflected in that way. So I thought that was a fantastic job of being authentic and inclusive at the same time. And I feel like that really brings up that authenticity point because this could just be the inclusive brands 
stage, right? That could be the conversation. But I think where we've talked about people getting it right and where people are getting it wrong often comes down to making it feel really authentic. And I think for a bigger company or a brand versus someone that's maybe a personal brand or a creator, and I'd love to get a feel for the room, who identifies as like an entrepreneur or a creator or a personal brand? So good amount, okay. And then who feels like they work for a company or run a bigger company and they're kind of in the room, okay. The math wasn't math, but it's okay. <laughs> and so I'd love for us to kind of talk a little bit about where does this authentic element come in? So I'd love for us to kind of talk about how we've included that in our own strategies and how we've seen people implement it and how people can get inspired by that. So for me, it often comes from um, making sure that I am taking into consideration the lived experiences of other people, especially whenever it's an area that I don't have, that's not my lived experience. Um, so whenever it came time for me to focus on being inclusive, specifically from an accessibility standpoint, I went out and made sure that I spent time talking to people who were from the disability community to make sure that I was thinking through things. Um, I did an interview for um, with a woman on my podcast and she was explaining to me um, about how transcripts for podcasts from for somebody who needs them isn't always a very uh, consumer or user-friendly experience because it takes her seven or eight clicks to get to the transcript, which for someone else to who is a hearing person to listen to a podcast, you might only need you might only take you two clicks to get there. So she's like, it's accessible, but it's not equal access, right? So going through and understanding and talking to her and understanding more about her experiences helped me to show up more inclusive in a manner that was gonna make her feel seen, like she was cared for, like I designed the experience specifically with her in mind rather than as an afterthought. So it always, for me, goes back to how can I include more people in the conversation and the process to make sure that I understand fully the way in which I can show up for them in a manner that makes them feel like I designed it specifically for them. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, I would like to share, like, um, I am a content creator and uh, I create content on YouTube and Instagram. Um, and one of the things, like, for those of you who are content creators, is one of the advice that is given is, like, niche down, niche down. You have to be specific to find your target audience. That's great. It helps you grow. That's how I grew. The problem with that is that when you are so niche down, you are just sewing one side of your what you have to offer. For example, I talk about data science and data analytics and AI, but there's so much more to me. I'm not just like those three things. I am a woman of color, I have a mom, and I love, I'm a fitness enthusiast, I love nutrition. I have good days at work and I also have bad days at work. So for me to just use my platform just to talk about things that are, uh, those three things, it's just I'm not bringing my full self and not being authentic and I'm not being putting my complete self out there. And it's harder for people to relate when it's just like those three dimensions because humans want human elements to connect to. So I personally have been using a stories feature on Instagram specifically to like show other sides of me, show things such as like if I had a bad day at work or if something went bad, if I'm not feeling bad, if I'm feeling burned out, like I use that avenue to kind of like share all aspects of a content creation journey and other sides to me. And that makes people relate to me more because, yes, a lot of people are following me for what my data science content, but they relate to me specifically because there is some human element that I have shared, whether that talking about having a bad work day or whether talking about like being burned out, they're able to relate to it and they're able, they keep coming back because they want that human connection. So the takeaway here is like being authentic in your own brand um, whether that is like company or personal brand is very, very, very important. And it's not easy, especially on a content creation space, but there are ways where you can kind of like uh, uh, plug it in and like make it like whole, whole and fuller. Yeah, and I feel like as someone in the video space, 
whether you're a creator or a personal brand or you're a bigger brand in a company, I think the biggest thing we can take from what's working in content strategically right, um, which then will trickle over to being more authentic and inclusive, is kind of like taking the barrier away from how we're connecting with people, that it doesn't always have to be talking about our product or talking about what we're an expert at, but how can we just be people and build connection and build relationships with people through our content? And I know for me, it's really looked like kind of just like, being less edited, being less curated, not trying to make everything perfect. And what I find is that if we're not doing video perfectly, we feel like it's not worth posting or not worth creating. But at the end of the day, none of us are perfect humans all of the time, right? And even in companies, right? There's different personalities and different cultures and different ways of saying things. And so when we're thinking of our content, what if we take a few edits away from it? What if it touches a few less hands and that allows the true personality and the voice of that company to really come to life? And so now I feel like we've talked a lot of stories and kind of just got the wheels turning. I'd love to give some actionable tips for everyone. So if you're a note taker, whether it's a notebook, your notes app, your computer, we want to kind of just give simple exercises and homework that you can do literally right now to start to take action on kind of these big things that we're talking about. So Sonia. So there's a couple of things I want you to focus on doing. Um, so both Natasha and Sundas talked a lot about relatability, and that is important. And that is gonna, what's going to help other people feel connected to you and help them understand that you actually know more about them, more than just what you did in market research or what you found out through a, a traditional market research report. So the relatability, the authenticity and that relatability comes through proximity. So that really means spending time with the people that you want to serve. Um, the more you spend time with them, if you think about it as any type of relations that we have with a friend, the more time you spend with people, the more you understand about what they like, what they don't like, what you should say, what's going to make them really mad, what's going to make them laugh so hard they snort, right? Like you're going to learn all these different things the more you spend time with them. So how can you think about the specific communities that you want to serve and that you want to have that authentic connection with? How can you spend more time with them? Market research is fantastic, but how can you get out and have conversations? How can you include them um, as part of your team, as you're learning through the process? That's why it's great to have a diverse team because you're spending time and having those lived experiences with you. Another thing that you can do as well is to make sure that you're diversifying your circle of influence. And what I mean by that is really think about all the inputs that you're getting about different communities or just about life in general. So simple thing that you can do is check who you're following on social media. Whose podcasts are you listening to? Hopefully you're listening to all our podcasts and our YouTube channel. Um, but whose podcasts are you listening to? What shows are you watching on TV? What are the books that you're reading? Are they shows um, or are they influencers or content or educators um, who are all the same, who think the same, look the same, act the same, have the same background? Or are you diversifying where it is that you're getting your information from? If you just start listening to people or following people on social media, you will quickly find that um, you will learn quickly the ins and outs and the do's and don'ts. And just like the pop cultural references that people are using, within those communities on a regular basis. And whenever it's right, you can find a way to slip it in in a manner that feels right to you. Um, one just quick aside on authenticity and whenever you're learning things about a different culture and you wanna use the lingo that they use, there, there is an element of making sure that it's something that you would actually say or it feels right. So. One year, I came back, I was living in Argentina, I came back and I got my hair braided in an updo. And I went to a dance class, I went to a tango class. And the gentleman, the way that dance classes work, group dance classes work, the teacher shows you something, the moves or whatever that you're learning in the class. And then you go and you do partner work and you rotate partners. 
So I ended up rotating to um, this one gentleman who I'd never seen before, never met before. And whenever I got to them, I'm like, hi, how are you? And the first thing out of his mouth was, I like your weave. And I was appalled. I had the immediate visceral negative reaction because that's just not what you say to someone. And it sounded like, or it felt like he had just heard people talking about weave in some, you know, social context and setting. And he thought that was something appropriate that he should say to me. And the whole thing just backfired because all I wanted to do was get away from him. There was no relatability. It felt like it was inauthentic and it felt like an abuse of um, the conversation. There was no trust there. So what we don't, we don't want you to be like the I like your weave guy, right? We want you to make sure that as you're learning about the ways in which people communicate from different communities, that you are able to understand and use that and communicate in a way that feels right and authentic to you. And the way you do that is by just, of course, always spending time with them. Spending time, there's no substitute for that, but that really will help you from an authenticity standpoint. That was great, thank you. Um, I will, um, so there is a saying that is, uh, diversity is getting invited to the party and inclusivity is getting invited to dance. Uh, this is a quote by Verna Myers, who has heard this before. Anybody? Okay, two people. Two people have heard it. Um, so if you think about this quote, it, like, it's deep. So, but it doesn't have to be deep. Like, one takeaway, and I will keep it very simple, one takeaway, one homework that I want all of you to do is the next meeting that you go into, whether that is your personal or professional at the workplace or beyond, go into the meeting and see what kind of environment is being created. Is everybody speaking up? If there is not, if there's like one or two people that are not speaking up, are you pulling them in? Are you just holding a space for them? Are you saying like, hey, Jessica, do you have something to say? Create a space where people feel comfortable sharing their ideas and are willing to open up. And if somebody is not comfortable, if somebody is shy, like bring them in, make them comfortable. So these are like simple, simple things that you can do in your everyday life at workplace and at outside to be more inclusive as your own personal brand, as well as the workplace where you are at. So I'll stop here. Yeah, that's so good. I feel like that's actually something we could almost do right here at this conference is like bring people into the networking and the conversations that you're having. And I think that gives you so much power because often if you're maybe not the head of the company and you're a part of something, it can feel like how much change can I really make? But just being like, oh, I'd love to hear from this person. Like, I'd love to hear what ideas they had or um, follow up on something they said only maybe briefly. I think that makes a really big change and impact. And um, for me, my homework for you when it comes to your content, your marketing, your videos is just do an audit. Look at the people that you're trying to include. Look at the people that you're trying to connect with. And do you see that in how you're creating content? Whether it's the brand voice and what you're actually saying, whether it's visually from the photos and the video content and who's actually in the content, who's holding the products. Can I see the people that you're trying to include? And maybe give yourself a win. Okay, we're doing really good here, but where can we maybe add in a new creator to a campaign? Or where, where can we bring in some team members? Or where can we maybe adjust how we're saying something? But that really simple audit will give you a lot of content ideas that you can really build off and make a big impact on. And I kind of want to give an example of this is when I was planning my wedding almost a year ago, when I was looking for vendors, when I was looking for hair and makeup inspiration, I felt like I saw no couples or no photographers or no vendors that really represented us. And the people that we ended up hiring, I had to scour, right? I really had to search. 
It was the people that in their images on Instagram, I saw them representing um, people of color couples. I saw queer couples. I saw so much representation. And just by seeing that, I knew that that was the vendor for us over other people whose work was amazing. But it was simply by going to their social content that allowed me to be like, wow, we can be um, feeling safe. Our families can feel safe and seen and appreciated. And I don't have to feel excluded in something that's a very personal event to me. So I feel like it shows how just the smallest things that we're using when we're creating and marketing can really make a big difference. So we'd actually love to transition to a little bit of a Q&A portion. We got a lot of our community to submit some questions that I'm sure you all are thinking on kind of like just diving a little deeper, right? So one question is authenticity often requires a deep understanding of your target audience, which we've definitely talked about today. Could you provide insights into how brands can conduct meaningful research and engage their customers? So how can we just get a deeper tap into the people we're trying to connect with. So do you guys have any tips there? I, um, so I will start by saying that like, if you are a business and you're building a product or a service, are you building that product and then looking for a customer? Or are you looking for your customer first, trying to identify the problem, and then you're building the product or service? If you do it, the latter, then you already know your target audience, right? So I think that is like a fundamental way of doing business that could lead to a healthy brand and understanding your audience uh, better. So if you've done your homework, then yes, like you will be able to like find your right target audience because you are solving a specific problem. And in order to build, uh, solve that problem, you have actually done your research to figure out what problem you're solving, who you are solving for, and where your customers are. And of course, like it's not gonna be perfect when you're starting, but eventually, if you have started that way, then you kind of like build on top of it. Like once you have built your brand, once you have built your service or your product, you kind of like work toward like researching more, like ask questions, like hold research studies, like hold consumer studies, like invite consumers, users to sit in your room and like test your products and ask them questions. Like there's so many ways to kind of like do um, consumer surveys, they're like online, you can do it digitally. You, if you have a physical product, you can have people use it in person. Um, there are also ways, like if you have a website or like a product or services on the website, you can have users um, go through the website and you watch them while they do it. So like there's so many ways to conduct uh, research and understand your consumers better. Uh, but I guess like I'll just emphasize on the fundamental of like starting your brand starting your business, starting your idea with a problem, and then trying to understand your target audience and solving it. Finding a service solution that helps you better connect with customers and keep them happy can feel impossible. Like trying to remember the name of that guy you just met at a networking event. Was it Ron? Or could it be Don? Or John? Or Sean? Yeah, that kind of impossible. HubSpot's all-new Service Hub can help. Well, with the service solution part, at least. It brings service and success together on one powerful platform for the first time ever. With an AI-powered help desk and an AI chatbot that handles frontline tickets fast. Plus, it comes with a customer success workspace that helps reps anticipate customer needs. In a full 360 view of every customer, so your go-to-market team can keep a pulse on accounts before trying to upsell or cross-sell. Also, you can scale support and drive retention and revenue. And you know what that means. Better service and happier customers at every stage of the journey. Visit HubSpot.com service to do more for your customers today. Another thing to go through or think through as you're figuring out how will you develop sufficient degree of cultural intelligence for the people that you're serving is whenever you're doing market research, Make sure you have people who are parts of those communities with you throughout all phases of the research. So it's helpful to have them as you're developing your discussion guide, as you're creating your surveys, because they can help give you the insights that you need to know what are even the questions 
that you should be asking to understand more about their experiences so that you can later on get the answers that you need. Next, if you're going to be doing some type of interviews, whether it's a focus group, one-on-one interviews, or things like that, it is always helpful to ensure that the moderator has an identity that is similar or the same as the people that you're interviewing or you're interacting with because that connection point um, will be helpful because, again, it will put the person at ease. They'll know what questions to ask, what to probe deeper on, um, and even just to kind of what to unpack a little bit more as they're going through in answering and responding to the questions and getting insights from folks. And then it's also especially helpful to have um, somebody who is representative on the team as you're analyzing so they know this is why this is happening. This is why the data is looking the way it is. So making sure that you've got representation throughout, throughout the research process is especially helpful. But then going back to what I said earlier, it's always just great to make sure that you're getting insights into those communities by spending time with them on a regular basis. There's no substitute for that. Um, So the more you spend time with them, the more you're going to learn. Um, And then of course, always having people on your team who are parts of the communities in which you are trying to serve. That person's lived experiences, that point of view is always going to be helpful as you're going through the process throughout. Now, one caveat to this, If you're in marketing and you're trying to reach someone um, from the LGBTQ plus community, don't go to the queer woman who works in accounting and ask her to co-sign on all the things that you've just done from a marketing standpoint, because one, she's not a marketer. Two, it's not her job um, to understand or be the voice of an entire community And really, it's the job of the marketers or whoever it is that's going to be doing that particular job to have a full understanding or cultural intelligence and understand what they need to know about that community. I feel like that's so good. And I feel like something we have access to, all of us, is social media, right? And so I feel like whether they're in your industry or whether it's just a brand that you see is just building engagement beyond just likes and comments, and you see that there's so much diversity and inclusion in the conversations that are happening and who's buying the the products and who's a part of that person's programs, like who's their speaker lineups, all of those things. Look at the brands that are doing it right and do your market research on them of like, what are they doing? What are they posting? And using that in your strategy as inspiration, I feel like is a really great way to start. And the next question, which I feel like we're all kind of wondering is like, Authenticity, we hear it all the time. Be authentic, right? And it's such a buzzword, but I feel like this really means going beyond just doing a campaign once a year, right? Or just saying something specific or just having one like tokenized person in your marketing materials. So how can we make this a bigger part of the culture so it does feel authentic because it's really a through line that we're doing all the time? For me, it always goes back to your values, right? Um, you do what you are. So if your values say that you are inclusive, everything that you do will have an inclusive lens that um, the way in which you operate and the way in which you show up. Um, if your goal is just to extract from a particular community or just to get them to buy more of your stuff, it's going to come through as less authentic Um, in terms of what is it you're trying to accomplish because it's going to just feel like you are trying to get that person to buy whatever you've done. There was a, I was doing some interviews with consumers last year and there was one gentleman who talked about um, representation specifically in media and marketing. And he was, he's a black guy and he was like, he, he really hated it whenever it felt like brands were just swapping out photos of, um, people and just saying, all right, here's a black person in an ad. Are you happy? Come come buy my stuff now. And it just felt very disingenuous. Like, we don't actually care about your community, but we're going to change up this visual imagery in the hopes that you will feel like you're seen, you belong, and that we want you to come. 
ultimately, you have to be able to communicate that you care and that you see the people and that you understand more about their plight, more about their journey and what is what it is that they're going through. LinkedIn is a sponsor and LinkedIn um, has done a wonderful campaign in, con- in, in um, partnership with Dove, which is the campaign, which is, excuse me, the Crown Act, which is all about um, helping make sure that there is no hair discrimination, which disproportionately impacts black women or women who wear natural hairstyles. That was based on an insight um, specifically about what they knew about this community. Will that help more women buy Dove? Sure, it probably will. Um, LinkedIn is doing this as well. Will that help more women um, work and partner with LinkedIn? Yes, it probably will, but they know that it's authentic because um, these women are able to see that they're caring about things beyond just whether or not whether or not I'm buying this product, this soap, the shampoo, whether or not they're using LinkedIn. They're actually doing things to support and elevate and advance the community at the same time. And whenever you're doing things that not only help people feel like they belong as they're going through your customer journey, as they're using your product and helping them to achieve success, but you're also doing things to help elevate and support an already marginalized, underserved community, it goes one step further for let people know that you are authentic and that you do actually care about them. Yeah, I'll just add on with one example. Um, on the topic of like tokenizing, I think like that's very, very important. Uh, I recently signed up for a fitness app and um, I got into yoga. So I've been doing, I bought myself a mat. So I've been doing like yoga at home and I'm like, like fully committed. Um, this app does intro, they have like variety of classes and the the intros and outros are in sign language. So they're like proper sign language that has part of the intro and outro, outro, but the actual workout does not have that. So then my question is, okay, so are you just doing that for the sake of doing that? Like, are you, you're not fully committed to it. So that's just like one example of what tokenization of being inclusive looks like, where you want you want, you have intention, but you just don't know how to fully be inclusive and fully be present um, and fully be committed to like what you actually want to do. Now, if that entire workout is inclusive of the sign language, then yes, you get 100 out of 100. But if you're just doing intro and outro and your main, the, the meat part of the workout is not sign language, then what's the point? And I feel like I would love to talk about the creator side of things because whether you are a creator or you're a brand that's wanting to work with creators, I feel like it really comes down to long-term partnerships. Like, don't just pitch me because you're doing a Black History Month campaign. Let's do something all year round outside of just Black History Month. And I feel like for brands having long-term partnerships with the type of people that builds that inclusive environment is the way to go, not just one-off and paying everyone equally as well. It's what happens behind the scenes of you're getting paid just as much as every other creator. And I also feel like as creators, we also have a lot of power in that of if you host a podcast and you have guests, what does your guest lineup look like? Are you attracting the types of guests that represent all these different identities, which means you're then going to attract the listeners that represent those different identities? So whether you're collaborating with someone or you're hiring someone, um, as a brand, as a creator, think of these long-term partnerships that you can create because that really goes a long way of just making it a deep part of how you operate and being okay with calling people out, right? Like as a speaker, I'm totally fine with being like, hey, I'd love to be a part of this event, but what does a speaker lineup look like? How are you being inclusive? How are you meeting my values as a brand with your values as a brand? Because who we associate with absolutely shows our communities and it's really a through circle. Um, I'd love to chat a little bit about metrics, getting a little bit nerdy. We've given so many actionable things that we can do, but how do we actually measure the success and effectiveness of this? So we know that the impact that we're making is real. So. 
I like to look at the end result um, to make sure that, because uh, ultimately, of course, you're in business, you've got customers, and you want your customers to achieve success. So two metrics in particular that I love to help clients focus their attention on is one, what is the makeup of your customer base? Um, is your customer base representative of the people who have the problem that your brand solves? Um, if you um, are a company who has your, the problem that you solve impacts men and women equally, but your um, customer base is 70% men, then you might need to figure out what, do you, what would you need to do from a marketing standpoint to make sure those numbers are looking a little bit more equal to understand why you're attracting one group and not the other, if your goal is to serve all of them, right? Um, so make sure that you're keeping an eye on what your customer makeup looks like in um, relation to the specific identities that you're choosing to serve. Uh, and the other one is look at the degrees of success that people have. Um, are there certain identities who are part of your customer group who don't achieve success at the same rate as other people? We can look at venture capital, for instance. We know within venture capital, um, black women and women of color don't receive funding at the same rates as um, their male counterparts. Why is that? There are a number of reasons why that is, but if we don't have the data to understand that, that there is that disparity, we're not going to be in a position to actually put programs and mechanisms in place to change the dynamic of those numbers so that everyone achieves success at the same rates and your identity doesn't negatively impact the success that you'll achieve. Those factors that may negatively impact the success of specific groups might have nothing to do with your product, but as a brand, you do have a responsibility to make sure that if there's a reason why some groups are uh, achieving high and other ones not so much, that you put systems and programs in place to help level the playing field to get everyone to that level that you want them to achieve with your product and service. Now, I'll just uh, add a different um, aspect to the workforce, like when we're talking about workforce and recruitment. And oftentimes I've seen that a lot of emphasis is put on like recruiting and looking at the metrics and numbers and looking at how many diverse candidates are we hiring. And a lot of emphasis goes there, which is great. It should be there. But the problem where it goes wrong is when you look at the retention metrics. If you are hiring a diverse set of recruits, how are you retaining them? Like, look at your retention metrics and see if your diverse candidates are leaving more than your non-diverse candidates. And if that's the case, then see if, like, if you're creating an environment that is inclusive, that makes them feel comfortable. So I guess, like, I'll just... I'll just like say that like from the workforce perspective, like recruitment and retention is very, very important. And oftentimes we focus on recruitment metrics, but we let go of retention metrics. So retention is just as important. Yeah, I feel like it's really important to look at what you're attracting. Um, what are your clients and customers looking like? What are they saying? What are their reactions? Seeing what content are you getting tagged in? And really just looking at when you're starting to implement these initiatives, what are people saying? How are people reacting? And even if it's small change, really identifying, okay, I did this initiative and maybe it's not where I want it to be now, but long-term I can see that this made a small impact, which is just as impactful as a really big one. And as we end off this session, I'd love for us to just give our final tips, final wrap-ups for you of what we would recommend with a brand that's wanting to be more authentic and inclusive. Think of the people you serve as your friends. And if you think of them as friends, then you, you spend time with your friends, you're thoughtful about your friends, you want your friends to succeed you want your friends to be with you and have the same experiences as you. You don't want them to feel left out. So if you think about the people you serve, particularly those from underrepresented and underserved communities as your friends, then you'll take the time to get to know them and do all those things that you would do with a friend to make sure that they achieve the results that you want them to do and have a great time with you along the way. 
Yeah, my tip would be to go back and do an audit, like do an audit from your marketing perspective, do an audit from your product line perspective, um, and do a, like a 360 audit and see like where you are missing or where you are fulfilling and kind of like, and talk to your users, talk to your customers and ask them what is their, uh, what is their uh, kind of like understanding of your brand. So when we're talking about personal brand, like one of the tricks that I've figured out is like, um, I will ask Sonia, like, Sonia, can you describe me in three words? Like, when you think of me, how, what are the three words that you use to describe me? So think about your brand as well. Like, talk to your users, ask them, like, what they think of your brand, because that will give you an idea what you have on paper and what users and customers are seeing are matching or not. I think my advice would be that it's a long game. I often feel that we can sometimes guilt ourselves for not doing enough now and feeling like we need to do more and be more, but understanding that flexing that muscle of implementing your brand values and being more authentic in how you're doing it, it takes time and it'll be challenging. It'll be uncomfortable. It means doing the work, but it doesn't mean doing the work for a month or 90 days. It means that it's a long game of the longevity of your brand and whatever your intentions are, that it's going to continue to be something. So really pace yourself and giving yourself grace that even the small thing that you take away from this session can really make a big change. So we'd love to wrap things up by just sharing how you can connect with us, continue to learn from us, and binge all our content. So Sonia. So um, as I mentioned, I have the Inclusion and Marketing Podcast. It's a part of the HubSpot Podcast Network. So go ahead and have a listen. Um, it's a lot of solo episodes along with some expert guests on a variety of topics related to inclusion and, of course, always its connection to marketing. So if you want to find me, you can actually go to HubSpot YouTube Network. And if you're interested in data science and analytics, uh, and you can just find me there. Yeah. And you can find me at the Shine Online podcast, also part of the HubSpot Podcast Network, and over on Instagram, YouTube, all the things at Shine with Natasha. Um, we will be hanging out kind of near the Creator Cafe if you want to have any conversations, have any follow-up conversations, or just want to connect with us. But thank you guys so much. This was awesome. That's it for today's episode. And before we wrap up, just one quick question for you. Are you getting the inclusion and marketing newsletter? If you're not, like, what are you even doing? What are you even doing? Each week, I send news, analysis, insights, stories, and other tips to help you build an inclusive brand that makes more of the people you serve feel like they belong with you. Go to inclusionandmarketing.com slash newsletter to get signed up. I'll also drop a link to it in the show notes so you can access it easily. Until next time, remember, everyone deserves to have a place where they belong. Let's use our individual and collective power to ensure more people feel like they do. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you soon.